What's up, dude? What's up, man? That's how we start. How's it going? You just say what's up. <laughs> start, what's up? Start talking. Um, how you been? How was uh, Europe? Europe was amazing, man. It was so good that we're moving back. Yeah. We're, we're moving there in like six weeks now. We've got our house selling it. We just love Amsterdam. Amsterdam yeah. Is where we should be right now. I uh, I definitely like wanted to bring that up and talk about it too because that's like that's something I'm definitely uh, wanting to do, travel. And like like you said, you guys went out there and decided that you guys kind of wanted to go back and stay. Like That's pretty fucking dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, Three years ago when we got together, we uh, had the opportunity to take off for a couple months and go to Europe. And uh, we went to uh, like 14 cities, nine countries. Something like that. Yeah, nine countries. We stayed for about six weeks. So we just kind of train hopped and just went from place to place. We knew there were like four specific cities that we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was just like we had an open itinerary. Like we went to Ireland and then from Ireland to Amsterdam. And then once we were mainland, we just went wherever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, from what I understand, it's really not that expensive once you get over there. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing all kinds of, like, crazy tourist stuff. like Yeah, the tourism stuff is really expensive, and we were lucky. Um, our, tri- our trip timed out where our lease was up, and so we put everything in storage. So instead of having to pay your rent on yeah, top yeah. of your travel, we just had to pay the, like, hundred like the $200 a month for our storage of our, yeah. our place, and then after that it was... So that helped a lot. Yeah, there you go. And then, um, and we loved Amsterdam so much that we wanted to go back. Yeah, dude, I heard, I heard, uh, Amsterdam is actually, you know, I stream on Twitch. One of the guys who watches my stream, he, uh, he lives in Amsterdam. He was like, he said that he's from the Netherlands, and I was like, oh, sweet. Uh, I'd always wanted to go to Amsterdam. He's like, that's where I live. He's like, best city in the world, like, hands down. And I was like, man, I just want to get out there and, yeah. yeah, he's not it. wrong yeah. for a thousand different reasons. We saw a bunch of different cities. He speaks German, so we initially thought when we were going to go, we were, Germany was going to be our place. And mm-hmm. we love Berlin, don't get me wrong. Berlin and Munich are both amazing. Yeah. Uh, but Amsterdam just like really changed our minds. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, it's so dope to like have everything that you want in America. Like, you can go see whatever you want to see like you're in Vegas you can make any type of show happen and not just like uh you know there's wild sex shows and stuff like that or like public sex shows yeah but uh you could go see like some awesome art you know I mean Rembrandt Van Gogh yeah, yeah, yeah. uh like there's so many things to see that it doesn't even have to focus on all the the sins you know the dirty yeah, sins yeah. that Amsterdam has and is it people can enjoy it too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure dude that's dope I just I have to make that leap you know just... they have rembrandt's last house that he lived in like in the state that he left it when he died like and it's like preserved That's like crazy all of his this chaos are up and his chaos and his, his paints and all like everything's just, like, just exactly. that haven't moved anything mm-hmm. yeah just that's crazy. <laughs> and the same thing for the Anne Frank house. It's a famous place, but we've never been inside because it's essentially just like, honestly, it's just a room full of furniture. Yeah, yeah. It's just a Dutch house yeah, and yeah. furniture. Yeah, right. And like a really sad attic and you yeah. can be like, oh, that was sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, I've seen pictures. So, like, that's good enough. But every, we've been in the city three times and every time we go with people who know any, or anyone, we always stop by and like, we, we tell people, like, we, we impress on them, like, how crazy it would be because Amsterdam's so lively. You know, there's mm-hmm. bikes everywhere. There's movement 24-7. It's really active it's really beautiful um it's just really hard to imagine like the silence of like nothing but the nazis yeah, yeah. stomping through the silence of the streets it's just like impossible to imagine yeah so we always like to say that but it really is just a house of furniture yeah and the, and the, <laughs> so. the people in amsterdam i'm sure they're amazing as well yeah they're all so welcoming they have a yeah. saying there that's like a way of life it's good gazellic and it just means like chill it's like basically the same word. Yeah, yeah. comfortable, cozy. But cozy. But it's kind of like the word they live by. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. That's like that's their smart. seal of approval. Like, that's their, like, that was perfect. Yeah. 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 Like, if your home is gazellig, then people, that means people like to come over and just chill. We went out last night. It was gazellig. Like it's... Okay. <laughs> what about the economy there? I, I mean, what about work? Uh, it's booming. Uh, I think we saw the other day that, like, 1,500 uh, expats, bre- like, a week are moving there. Yeah. Like, a week. Damn. Well, and the Brexit's being as a big deal. A lot of companies that want to remain in the EU are finding places and relocating. We found out that Sony is moving their UK office to the Netherlands Damn. Uh, because they don't want to be a part of Brexit, non- yeah. Brexit nonsense. So there's just like a lot, and English is so Blizzard's, common there. Blizzard's uh, new or Blizzard's headquarters, okay. European headquarters, are in Amsterdam. EA has an office there. Yeah, yeah. There's not. like we looked up. There are eight different um, just video game companies that have offices just in the Netherlands, Hague. 
Rotterdam area. And then mm-hmm. there's a couple more that are further out. But Rotterdam's like a quick train ride away. So mm-hmm. if we wanted to go talk with them, it would be no thing. That's yeah. awesome. So when mm-hmm. are you moving? Uh, like yeah. six weeks, hopefully. Soon. Fingers crossed. Middle of March, I think, is when we, like, it's our goal. date. It's our hardest date that we have. Okay, dope. Yeah, we'll have to get out there and visit y'all then. Yeah. Be surprised. Yeah. There are cheap tickets. Mm-hmm. How much is a, a flight out there? Dude, if you really look at, like, the right times and you give yourself a lot of flexibility of a couple months, a few months even, uh, you can find a round trip from Dallas to Amsterdam for like four hundred dollars. If you cheap. have like a job that's yeah. like flexible with how like your how long how long it takes you to submit vacation suggestions, yeah, yeah. like then yeah, we do. Um, my favorite is Airfare Watchdog. They'll just send you any deal that's like under six hundred bucks, I think. Mm-hmm. And so like travelpirates. We paid com. way too much money for our flights for our wedding because we were anxious about it. Yeah. But a friend of ours got round trip for like four hundred bucks and included drinks. We were so jealous. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, the wedding in Prague, How, what was that like? It was amazing, man. So we, this recent trip, uh, we had our bachelor and bachelorette party in Amsterdam. Yeah. And then uh, the wedding was in Prague, and it was amazing. Got married at the oldest library in Europe. Yeah, what was it called? The Clementium. Clementium in Prague, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest library in Europe. Dude, it's crazy. That's Johannes, the way to do it, man. Yeah, it was <laughs> Johannes Kepler's library for 12 years. It was shockingly affordable. Yeah, but that's the way to do it. And, like, some people just don't even think about doing something. Like, they just do something regular in their, in their hometown. They're still spending, you know, money on a wedding, mm-hmm. you know, which you can be spending... I don't, I don't know how much weddings cost, but you can spend a lot of money on a wedding right down the street from where you live, mm-hmm. or you could spend a lot of money on going to Prague and... Mm-hmm. To put it in perspective, uh, I think the cheapest wedding you could do, like involving like a special event on a weekend in Dallas, the cheapest you're gonna do is like three grand. Yeah. Oh, cheapest. That's, that's what that number is really hilarious, frankly. Uh, we did. But, we did like uh, we booked the least expensive venue that there is in the DFW. It's super super low key. It's not advertised. The only reason we know about it is because his cousin got married there, and you have to book it like a year out, and it's like fifteen hundred. Um, but it includes nothing but chairs and tables. No tablecloths, no catering, no decorations. It's bare bones. Yeah. Um, so, and then the caterers, another thousand. Um, then we, the DJ, um, we got hooked on, uh, hooked up on him because he was a friend. So yeah. ours was 500. Go ahead and double that. Um, the cheapest yeah. wedding that you can Three do grand. in DFW is about 10 grand. I, 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 hope I, we, I hope we didn't spend ten thousand. No, we didn't because we got. We did like, but he wants to talk about doing the cheapest wedding absolutely possible. Like I did decorations that I bought from China that took like two months to get here. Yeah. So there's like you just have to know how to be really, 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 really but, thrifty. Uh, yeah. Budget. I, I was very thrifty. I like bulk ordered my own tablecloths and then sold them again later. Like, but, but, it was, but it was the like, oldest library in Europe to book was yeah. six hundred dollars. Damn. Yeah. And it even but it was a champagne. it was a dream. It was like a dream wedding. Yeah. You Gorgeous. Know? Yes. So, yes. As as and it was wedding. incredible. <laughs> it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah, it was, awesome. it was beautiful. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah, I've uh, I've been doing a lot, putting a lot of thought into starting to travel more. Mm-hmm. Get out. You know, I've never been overseas, so that's definitely something that. I want to get done here in the next year. Definitely as an artist, too, you know. Yeah. It'll, it'll really inspire Inspires. you. Yeah. Well, and the best part about being an artist is that you don't have to actually go to all the ridiculous museums. There are a couple that I do recommend. The Louvre, you'll wait in line for like five hours. But it's so funny. Yeah. I went once as a teenager, and it's like the most amazing, incredible museum in the entire entire world. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind for waiting for five hours. Yeah, it's, that, it's worth it. Know? We were a school group, so we got to cut in line. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> I know it worked out. But the best part about being an artist, anyway, is that you can um, you can go to like the to the the more like artists and neighborhoods that are known, and they they're very 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 pro small business there. Mm-hmm. So there's just like tiny little galleries everywhere, and it doesn't even really matter what country you're in. In Italy, they were like every three blocks. In France, they're about once and, three blocks. And there's just a a lot of amazing art mm-hmm. everywhere. And they're everywhere. Yeah. yeah everywhere. That's and um, a lot of them make money selling reproductions. Mm-hmm. And so you can go and see like exact reproductions of extremely famous art in correct sizes just like right outside the museum. That's <laughs> so, that's, yeah. Because they go in there. You'll see them when you go to like the Louvre and stuff. They go in there with their, their art and their easel and they pay the guards and stuff and they sit there and they paint them. Yeah. You can watch people do it. It's cool. That's dope. So, um, I guess we can get into uh, the topic, mm-hmm. if since uh, it was it was you know when I posted that status about uh, polygamy, 
there was a lot of people who are actually reaching out and being like, well, I know these people who are into that, and a lot of people saying that they've thought about it, and um, it seems to be way more popular or way more... You mean polyamory? Yeah. Poly- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Polygamy is marrying a bunch of... <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for... get real weird. I, I stand corrected. Uh, yeah. yeah, polygamy's not... They're definitely not really... The difference between those two is substantial, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, and so, but people... It, it seemed like people were way more open than I expected mm-hmm. to have those kind of thoughts, and I thought it was something that uh, most people didn't ever really think about. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I thought, like, you know, I've done some studying and, like, some research, and I, I have my own opinion on the lifestyle and um, how it's kind of natural for our species. I just didn't think that so many people were so open to it or had thought about it. And yeah. um, what what is kind of, like, your experience in so, that world? So our experience is, like, uh, we, we're not polyamorous per se, we, uh, we, but we have been in the lifestyle. For, uh, since we've been together, we've been together almost four years now, we've been, and like about like three and a half years ago, or even before we got together, the topic came up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was, I think with our thing, it was like, a, I decided a couple girlfriends ago that I don't know if I could just look one girl in the eye and be like, I'm never having sex with anybody else ever again. Mm-hmm. I think uh, to me, it's a lot, it was, it's a lot deeper than that and more important to me that uh, I don't hit an old age or eventually something happens like a, a unfortunate you know um hopefully it never happens like a divorce or anything like that yeah. and you look back and you're like oh man that was like 10 years of my life that you know uh, i felt like could have been different yeah it's not like that with me with me and her because we were able to talk about things and like communicate and then see what our boundaries that we ever want to experience were and then that like makes things so much more open and positive and like definitely positive so the the honesty aspect yeah. 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 Well, I'm like, we're not unrealistic in realizing that the person that you marry when you're 30 is going to be a different person when you're 50. Exactly. Those people are just different. That's just yeah. how it is. You know, yeah. you grow and you change, and whether you grow together or you grow apart or whether you just grow in general, it's always good to guarantee that you have a relationship with someone that's your best friend that understands you and respects you, but um, still recognizes that you may end up being a different person down the, down the road. Absolutely. And there's always been... My thing with uh, relationships, I I don't know, I I, <laughs> I think I don't think anything is permanent. I think that you know relationships end either through you know breakups or you die. Eventually, you're gonna lose that person. Eventually, you're gonna lose that person you love, and. Um, I really don't know where I'm going with that, but... Uh, I mean, I was, the, the, I was a former therapist. Distance can happen from a room away. Mm-hmm. There are couples that end up being together that never leave each other's side that don't have any relationship at all. Yeah. I, mean, I never worked as a marriage and family therapist, but I had friends that did, and I did a couple, just a couple of clients that were struggling in their marriages, and that's really what happens. I mean, they're there with each other every day. Mm-hmm. They eat dinner, they talk, they tell each other about each other's day, but they don't, they don't see each other anymore, and it's like can be a foot away or you can be an ocean away and you can still be just as distant yeah <laughs> so i think uh like to answer the, the actual questions you had of like why is it that we see it more often lately is um personally i've thought that um we're we're in the age where women unabashedly say i kissed a girl and i liked it you yeah know what i mean <laughs> like it's a song for almost a generation yeah of, of female sexuality in recent past and um I think that a lot of the generation we're at, that women seem to have experimented at least at some point, you know, a lot more than men. But uh, I think that that leads to the idea of polyamory because if you know, it's more acceptable for a woman to love a woman, man to love a man, and for them to love more. Yeah, it's. I think it's more okay to love now. That's like ever black before. and white gender norms kind of dissolve, like that. And uh, <clears throat> there's two combinations. I think it's uh, the like the that's really the black and white gender norms of what it what's expected in sexuality between the genders is dissolving mm-hmm. and becoming a continuum where people fall at different times and different places depending on who they're with, and that's becoming very 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 acceptable. But it's uh, we're also a generation of children from divorce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I don't know anyone like the few. There are very few people who I know whose parents are still together, and most of them are kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the parents very rarely look happy. Yeah. And so, um, it seems like our parents' generation, 
you see in TV and TV shows depicted a lot of one of them having to hide something from the other. The man having to hide that he's had a feeling for a man once before, mm-hmm. even if he never has before. Like you see that in TV where the man has had a feeling for a man before and never was able to tell his wife. I think it's more okay to say that, to like be that open with your spouse now than ever before. Yeah, things, were, things in the past seem to be more suppressed than now. It's like we're becoming way more open about sexuality and uh well an acceptance like yeah i hope my mom like my parent my mom's 100 percent responsible for my parents divorce because she expected him to change after they got married you married a person and then afterwards you were mad that they were still that way and like you're supposed to grow up when you get married well you married him like i don't know what you expected yeah (laughs) like that's what you get for not marrying a person who they were and uh, our generation more and more is about acceptance and being more willing to accept ourselves and other people yeah and i don't know about you guys but my parents definitely hate everyone and themselves mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't know i think our generation is desperately just trying to fight that and polyamory is uh, is just another way of trying to figure out like we've seen how the traditional 50s mold the, yeah. the, the nuclear family doesn't work yeah we see that so we're just trying to figure out how to make a family that does work yeah and <laughs> i think i think i think it is a uh, the monogamy side of relationships i think it was kind of just dictated by society and not inherently who and what we are as a species. And I mean, from research that I've done, and I'm kind of of the line of thought that it's just who we are as a species, is that for hundreds of thousands of years, we've been um, polyamorous creatures. And I mean, that's that's just going back and looking at our species throughout evolution. And it wasn't until society you know, modern society came in and started creating this paradigm of monogamy and um, family structure and everything. And it's kind of, I see it, it's almost kind of screwed things up because you look at, uh, you know, indigenous, you know, ancient cultures or anything, they were all about community. And it wasn't that um, you had a mother and a father raising a child. You had a whole community raising a child. And um, it's it's just, I'm just getting into all of this and, and researching everything, and it's all just making so much sense. And it's not that I want to try polyamory, and I and and I might be up for it if I if me and uh and the girl that I'm with were open to doing like we were honest with each other about it and we wanted to explore that. I don't think there's any harm in exploring something like something like that as long as you're open you're honest and um, understanding because the truth is we're never ever gonna be a hundred percent you know loyal it's not like you're never gonna look at another woman and say wow she's beautiful and think you know what would it be like to be with her? Yeah, I mean, and we're, we're just animals. We're intelligent animals. Exactly. We're still animals. We're going to think, you know, mating thoughts. Yeah. It's one of the basic pillars of, a, of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Like food, shelter, water, and... Uh, Repro- reproduction. Reproduction, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean, you see it a lot in society today, a lot of relationships failing because why did you like her picture on Instagram? I was like, well, she's pretty. It's a good picture. It I'd rather mean, have me a girl that will be liking that same picture with Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like someone that can agree and say, yeah, she's beautiful. You know, I'll like the picture too. But you see a lot of that um, destroying relationships today. You see a lot of um, the illusion or the idea of ownership in relationships. You know, a lot of, uh, you see a lot of relationships where it's almost like you become property to another person and you're not allowed to go hang out with one of your friends that's a girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, what if, would she ever tell you you can't go hang out with Mary? Like, no. because she's a girl? No. Because your relationship with Mary goes way past, you know, 
any kind of sexual desire or anything like that. Like you guys have been I best friends. I didn't tell him he for... wasn't allowed to hang out with anyone. I mean, Mary's exactly. a clear exception. Mary's a homie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But I mean, but like that would be like that would be like me not even understanding the nature of the relationship. <clears throat> but I wouldn't. I don't tell him he's not allowed to hang out with anybody because I guess I just don't have that natural intuition to be that kind of control. Yeah, because... But it's really more a matter of trust. That why did you like that? It's an inherent feeling of of threat. Yeah. Like you feel threatened, you feel insecure, mm-hmm. you feel distrustful. And so that's where those those feelings come from. That's yeah. where jealousy comes from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's insecurity and distrust. And so as long as you're in a relationship where you talk about it and you're really open about your feelings and your thoughts and you like if saying like, wow, that chick's hot. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like instead of doing it in secret and then getting caught. Yeah. <laughs> I say so It's like a standard that people set in the way that they treat each other. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I uh, we, we learned early on. And that, and we still believe that communication is the most important thing we have, and the most important thing. And it's essential in the lifestyle. Non-communication is not acceptable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In the lifestyle, communication and learning how to communicate in ways that will not upset each other, in ways that will just uh, bring more to the table, bring whatever you want to the table in a good in a good light. Assertiveness versus defensiveness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Learning to be assertive instead of defensive. Mm-hmm. Uh. But yeah, we've, uh, and then as far as like us and the word polyamory, it's like came up because it's interesting. But I, like I said, I don't think either one of us consider ourselves polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we don't even... see other, we don't see people outside of the lifestyle. Yeah. We invite people over together, but all of our experiences are always together. They're never separate. And polyamory to That's me different. means being able to be in a serious relationship with two people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned that maybe we, 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 it's in the realm of possibility to have a girlfriend with us, but like it's still husband and wife. Yeah. And like I, no other relationship with any other person will come close to what me and her have. Even if we like dated a girl for five or six years, it would be her dating us. I mean, part of the lifestyle, me being his wife, was kind of important because no matter how secure I am in being in that stuff, no matter how comfortable I am, every now and then, whether it's even just a hormone or too much drink, like, oh my God, is he like, is she funnier yeah, than yeah. I am? Yeah, yeah. And like, settle down. Yeah. You're, you're the wife settle down yeah. <laughs> like and it's like in a matter of security even just for not, not that I don't trust him or be insecure it's just there's a lot of safety in that feeling so what about the part of society that just can't understand what you guys are saying you know they that seems so far out of the realm of possibilities what would you yeah. say to them well it's sorry well, well that's why you do podcasts yeah and talk about it openly my family like I really don't care about my family's particular opinion of me, but I do care about his family's opinion. So, I mean, so it really is just a matter of being open and honest about it. I have very little faith in society to make leaps and bounds. And so I feel like just talking about it, it's the same thing with any other, like, you know, emotionally charged issue. If you're open and you're willing to take the criticism and you just talk about it and you're willing and you're comfortable enough with yourself to defend it, then other people will hear it. And whether they engage or not, they've heard it and they think about it and then maybe they talk about it with someone else and it just, it spreads and then that's how things become acceptable. That's exactly why I started (laughs) doing podcasts and started bringing up these topics that it seems like people have strayed from for so long, you know? So. I'm not going to march to D.C. with a sign, but I'll be more than happy to do tons of podcasts. Yeah, yeah I mean, because <laughs> you, know? you can reach the world with it. and um, Well, and it's more honest. I mean, yeah. and I'm not angry. I understand why people don't, why it's something that they're not receptive to, and yeah. I've never been asked to defend myself. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, our lifestyle isn't something that can really rub someone the wrong way. Because it doesn't affect anyone whatsoever. No, but we have had people be apprehensive about like wanting to party with us necessarily because yeah. they, because you know because yeah we have because ha- they, they they think that you know we might I believe just, there's some because you're, you're, you're do our magic or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is they're afraid I mean, of. What happens if they corner me and both hit on yeah. me at the same time? They're I can't so say sexual. No. What if I call I their sexual no. powers? Like I don't know. We don't know what their thought process is, but we've yeah. had a couple of just a couple of times where they're like, well, I don't know if I want to hang out with them, like. Yeah, and we don't really it's like know they're why. trying to set up a threesome when they're yeah. both like, yeah. and it's like, exactly. but that's but exactly. but the but the the whole thing is like it's not just about fucking, like yeah. the lifestyle. Mm-mm. Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what the good part of it. Yeah. It's not the goal, but it is a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you go. There you go. Yeah. But I mean, could it even be that? Um, what if? Uh, you had like a best friend. Say I was a man in a relationship and my best friend was not my partner. Like, of course, she would be number one, right? Mm-hmm. But I had like another like really good friend who was a girl 
and we liked to go out. We liked to go out on dates. Um, and not necessarily fuck or anything. That I could see how, like, in today's society, that would upset a lot of girls. And that's when I was talking about you feel like you're a piece of property. And your girl would be like, and you can't you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to go out and have that. You're with me. Well, the first so, thought is, what does she have that I don't? That's your instant thought. Yeah. What are you getting out of that relationship that you're not getting from me? And that's where open honesty would come into play. Yeah. I don't know how you'd really talk yourself out of that situation, though. <laughs> I mean, that's just an instinctual thought. Yeah, that is an instinctual it's thought. It's not a matter of whether you have an answer for it or not. You may not even have an answer. They're just a different person than you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. They're different in a way. But And then when you start comparing them is when you get into trouble. But if, you're, <laughs> if your partner says, I'm not comfortable with that, I'd like you to stop, you should have a real talk about it if you are trying to continue that. But if you're... Uh, like, or you got, you know, if, if you're, you love your partner enough, you're going to listen to what they say. Yeah. And if it makes them uncomfortable, you got to stop. Yeah. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's part of the communication is being able to know when you're, even though it makes you happy, you got to make the other person happy. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know, man. I think that there's a lot of, uh, ego tied into, um, the naysayers. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I'm hopeful. I see, I, like I said, I've noticed everybody kind of opening up about it, and it was really interesting. So I'm hopeful that we're kind of going through a change in society and the way we we treat our relationships. We have podcasts where people are opening up and being honest, and people can actually sit and listen for an hour, get new ideas, and, you know, marinate on those ideas. And um, so I'm kind of hopeful for the future. I just kind of want to look at, try to look at and tackle the problems that would, because uh, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, polyamory is the way to go, or monogamy the way to go. Um, of course, it's, it's subjective, it's whatever you, you and your partner feel are best, but I don't think we should all feel so threatened. I just, I don't like that so many relationships are being ended because of egos and you know the the property thing um so i'm just hoping that as a society we can move past that and be more open to uh being able to have friendships if if i had a friend that was a girl and i wanted to go a date on a date with her as long as i'm open and honest with uh my partner that that would be okay and I think it's just sad when people are trying to control other people and tell them you can't do this. You, you know, you can't be, you're not free. Yeah. I, I just, there's something that I don't like about not being free and being controlled. Well, it's a image that's constantly projected by the system. The idea that you need to control your entire life at all times. You have to have a plan, you have to have control, you have mm-hmm. to have a situation under, under, under every, under the umbrella at all times, and especially with polyamory, the system's going to constantly bucket because it doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit into the system in a bunch of different ways. If you, you can't put polyamory on like a census form, you can't put it on medical forms because then decisions can't be made. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just not really a spot for it in like system, society. In, in systematic society. Yeah, that we've created. But there is in culture. Yeah. There's plenty of room in culture. There's just no room in, in systematic society for that particular. It can't be an, it can't be an alternative to marriage in systematic society it just doesn't fit but it can be culturally acceptable what about outside of the states i don't think that's an option either i mean when it comes especially when it comes to uh, like medical decisions and legal decisions you know you you have to have a next of person and next of and it's always the one and then you usually have people after that but you have to have to set up a system for it i'm sure that there are polyamorous couples that you know have their first and then their second and then their third and Mm -hmm. you can do that like you would with your children yeah instead of it would be your partners but it's something that society hasn't like I, I'm not a lawyer. I would never know how to like even create some kind of like fun possible like a future possibility, 
So that's more a matter of, I think, at this particular like way of where we're trying to make uh, different forms of sexual relationships acceptable, we have to focus on culture. And then it's the responsibility of systematic society to adapt to our culture. Yeah. That's the government's job, yeah. is to adapt to us. So I'm not necessarily worried about forcing the government to conform. I'm more concerned about just making sure that people, like, we're really open about it. We'll, so, like, everyone that knows us knows that we do what we do. Yeah. I mean, even his mom has, in one way or another, figured it out. <laughs> and so, and so with that, people know if they've got questions, we'll answer them. Yeah. You just, just gotta ask. So, so <laughs> like, even, even now that you guys are married and you're, you're in dedicated, you, you're, you've been, you know, y'all are married now. Um, has that changed anything? Have you, have you stuck to monogamy now or do you guys still? We, uh, we haven't gotten too freaky since we got married. <laughs> yeah, that's but. not necessarily because of marriage, though. We've had a really, really, really fast marriage. Yeah. We got married in Europe, and then we had a reception here, and then we had to repair the house to get it for sale, and now we're trying to sell the house, and now we're getting ready to move to Europe. We both had jobs at the time. Now we don't because we're doing full-time getting ready for Europe. So it's like it's just been a huge change in life. Mm-hmm. No, we've gone to a couple of swinger clubs. Honestly, I think we're just having a string of bad luck. We're going to Vegas <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, we're going yeah. to Vegas. <laughs> We're going to the AVM Awards. We're going to several swinger and porn star events yeah. for the next six days. We're just kind of like, we, we had like a some fun with an old friend on our wedding night. But other than that, we've just kind of had a string of bad luck at the last few clubs we've been to. Just So when you guys do hook up with somebody else, do you guys do it together? Or do you guys ever mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. separate experiences? No, we haven't done separate. We uh, For anybody that's like... Thinking about the lifestyle, it's hard for couples to find single girls. They're called unicorns for a reason. Because they're hard because to find. Because they're, they're, they're about as rare as a unicorn. Single girls that are at a swinger party is trying to get down. And when they're there. Especially our age and our ty- our body type, our type, you know what I mean, our age. Yeah. It's hard. We're, we're young. We're really young oh, yeah. for the lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the average age, I'd say, is like the mid-40s is probably the average age of swingers. Okay. And so being 30 and 27 when we got together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it's, we haven't found a lot of people already. There are, they're definitely out there though. It's just yeah, a lower percentage. Especially if you're in, you know, a swingers club, you're 27 years old and you're not necessarily attracted to 48 year old. I mean, don't get me wrong. We play, we like, we, we've had fun with a handful of couples, like an old, like an older couple that was in their sixties or seventies. Like we, we have like, you know, we're like, sure, why not? We've never done that. But in terms of like finding, consistently finding like our type and someone that like, we could fool around with and then maybe hang out with his friends afterwards. We've just had a really hard time. And Dallas is a very conservative scene. Yeah. Yeah. In that sense. Swinger yeah. clubs here. Yeah. They are. Yeah. And all the people, most of the people that go to swinger clubs tend to be a little bit higher on the economic scale than us too. Yeah. Um, we just spend our money in different ways. We're not status symbol type people and yeah, Dallas yeah. is a very status symbol type place. Yeah. And so we've also just kind of had a hard time like finding people that meet us philosophically. Yeah. But uh, in Amsterdam is actually one of the first swinger clubs we ever went to. Uh, the first swinger club we ever it went was. to was That's in right. Amsterdam three years ago, and we loved it so much. We went back the day before our bachelor parties. It's our favorite. It is our favorite. It's on a boat. Nice. It's badass. We love it. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dungeon and shit. <laughs> That's crazy. So, what is it? Something that you guys you got together, and um, was it more about exploring sexuality to you guys? I think with us, what happened is I wasn't trying to date. She wasn't trying to date. We were both in really good spots in our lives with being single. Uh, and for me, for both of us to be in a relationship again, it had to be something that we've been missing out of relationships before. And me, you know, I've, I've always been hella sexual since I was, you know, high school. I was known for being over hypersexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria ex- experimented a lot too. And when we met, the conversation came up fairly quickly and she said that she loved women. It was like, I, what a coincidence. I love yeah. women too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that kind of like, I think we talked while we were dating, we talked about being with other girls early. And that, that was like, okay, cool. The conversation that got us to click is that um, 
a friend of ours, like a mutual friend, was like, I really needed you guys to meet. Uh, you're both disgusting. <laughs> like, you both have the most disgusting stories. You're both the most sexual people. You guys mm-hmm. you guys have got to meet. Yeah. And uh, we were like, all right, fine. Like, we were both like, okay, whatever about that. And then she was like, all right, we'll tell your worst story. Like, you go, and then you go. And that's what we did. And we were like, wow, all right, we're, I met an equal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we, we are both, we are both disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so we had some pretty crazy stories, and we just, we were unabashedly, uh, uh, open just with really who open we are as people, yeah, and then you know, we met, and uh, and that's just kind of how it worked well, and out. Our mutual that we, friend, we well, both had slept with her numerous times, and mm-hmm. so it was just one of those things where we had already knew a lot about each other's sex life before we ever even met. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so there was just a lot of like, oh, okay, well, this person's pretty open, and like, I don't really have to worry about not necessarily worry about their boundaries, but I don't have to worry about like easing them into who I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, which yeah. is what I've had to do with a lot of different people that I've dated. And, I've, and so, I've found that my personality is rather unacceptable to a lot of people when you get to know me really well. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, so when y'all first got together, when you first met, I mean, how long has, have you guys known each other? Four years. Four years. Four years. So it was around that time when y'all started hanging out, going out, um, discussing these things and started having these experiences. And then... Was it later on that you kind of just figured out, like, wow, she's my best friend? It took us, like, we, we met, we dated for, like, two or three months. Pretty normal, average date, like, courting, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. first getting to know each other. Uh, and then when we decided to date, uh, and then I'd say... Yeah, we weren't official. Like, we weren't official for, for a while. Like, two or three months. Got official in, like, March, and I'd say we had already moved to, the, uh, to Denver, like, three months after being together. Uh, and there we... We, the, the conversation had always been there. Like, oh, we're both open to try go, going into the lifestyle, dipping our toes in. We're both open to try. Sure. And we looked out to the local place in Denver. And there's a badass pool there. It's a naked pool. And it's not, I mean, like, it's totally sex positive and sex plus. Do whatever you want. But uh, you don't necessarily have to go there to fuck. It's just a naked pool. Not everyone does. Some people yeah. go just to watch. It's a good way to dip your toes into it's the lifestyle. It's very affordable. There <laughs> yeah. There's like hotel rooms that you can rent, which we did one time for our birthdays. Mm. And we went to Denver and spent it up there for, I think it was my birthday. But that happened like seven months after we got together, like after we started dating. Yeah. That like, it, the conversation had always been out there and we just found the right way to just get a taste and see what it was like. Okay, something that a lot of people need to know about the lifestyle is if you go to these type of clubs, stuff like that, even like any type of swinger club, it's still no pressure. It's not like everybody is banging across the walls. Yeah, like Somebody's yeah. going to grab yeah. your wife. It's, it doesn't work like that. I remember that was like my first impression, like probably when I was like 16, like when I first <laughs> heard of like swingers club, that's kind of what I thought is like there's people off in the corner I will fucking tell you, like people are way on more the walls and... Like, I mean, there are people fucking on the yeah, wall. There are. Not everybody's yeah, fucking yeah. on There's the sex wall. everywhere, but, like, I'll tell you, there's way more respect and consent going on there than there is in, like, any club in, in any city. Any club. Like, any club. Like, yeah. Any club. A subway. Any yeah. There's more respect. Sub- there's, there's more, more sexual respect, respect going on at a swinger club than, than a subway. Than a subway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most, most subways. So, I think that's a big part of it, too, is uh, the fact that we're already, that we're in the lifestyle, we're kind of down for whatever, and we like to party. And the fact that they have clubs that are like-minded people, you know what I mean? If you like EDM, you go to an EDM club. If you yeah. like, uh, you know, hip-hop, thug-ass hip-hop, go to Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you like like to be around people that are like-minded, go to Swinger Club and you'll see like-minded people. The people that are there, you also get a whole lot of bang for your buck, money-wise, going to a Swinger Club. You really club. do. It's always BYOB. Okay. Yeah, nope. and... And yeah, you really do. You're not uh, spending twelve dollars on a, a shot of the cost no, of, but the cost to get in is pretty high. Yeah, the you, cost between of fifty and hundred bucks. That's expensive. Yeah. But I mean, you get to see people. I mean, like even if you don't like meet a partner or make any friends, like you still get to watch people have sex and have some drinks. Like it's yeah. it's just better than going to any bar I've ever been to. We don't go yeah. out to clubs anywhere anymore. Like unless we went to the Drunken Clam, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Because for that same reason, like why why go to a club where I don't you know where. If I'm trying to see people are gonna keep their clothes on the whole time, yeah, yeah. and I don't have to pay them like a strip club, and or feel like a jerk for not paying them. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's just better. Yeah, and so like um, and then getting back to the whole topic of polyamory, it's like with. The lifestyle, being in the lifestyle, which is what we call it, it's what most people in the lifestyle call. It. In the lifestyle, um, call it. Um, it's polyamory is polyamory is pretty common, 
uh, very common in the lifestyle. But um, it's like a lot of people from the outside view it as close to the same, but we don't view it like that at all. But a lot of people do, and and people get nervous of that. They have fear of that. You know, what I mean, they they think automatically that we party harder, like party too hard. And it's like, you know, it's no different than you going out, partying, drinking, you know, trying to get laid at a club. It's not a Stanley Kubrick movie. We're not, like, sacrificing these people. I don't know what they think is going to, like, what's going to happen. (laughs) Like, no, it's the same thing, but people have sex and they're not afraid of it. Like, that's just, that's, that's it. People are more open. It's on the table when you walk in the door. And so it's just like, oh, you like that? I like that. And it's not, not of this, like having to get past every barrier yeah, yeah. of meeting a new person. Because when you go out to a club and you meet like, oh, you seem cool, how are you doing? Like, automatically, it's like, why are you talking to me? Yeah, right. And, and for some reason, I guess because we all have that, we already have something in common. We kind of break past those barriers. And it's a lot easier to talk to people. So, <clears throat> I guess another thing I'm wondering about, or have you guys ever... I know you guys. you guys are still... In a young relationship, basically, but in the grand scheme of things, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, um, so mostly everything has been another person and you guys, or maybe sometimes two other people and you guys. But have you ever had, or have you ever put thought into, you know, say if she had another lover, um. And she, you know, she'd go out with him on nights. and she, But she's c- completely open and honest about it. Mm. And you had another lover. And you're like, well, hey, I'm going to go out with uh, her or him or whatever it is you're into. Um, have you guys put thought into that? Have you talked about that? Has, is it something you have experienced? or uh, Like, we've talked about it, but we just haven't evolved to that point yet. Yeah, we just got married. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm still really into being married to him. Um, he's like, I feel like in terms of us separating, if we found a couple that was fine with him just like going off with the wife and I just hung out with the husband, I don't currently have interest in having sex with other men. And so that kind of makes it a yeah. little, it makes it a little bit more difficult in swinger culture because some people want to have a straight swap yeah. and I'm just not... Yeah. Like, I'm, I I feel like in the future, we're only in our 30s. We're hoping to live at least another 30 years. I mean, what, <laughs> what if it was a lesbian couple? A lesbian couple? I mean, I mean. Like, if a girl wanted to date us, or her, just her? Like, if, if a girl wanted to date just her and not me, I'm sort of, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty cool with that, and she communicated that, and, mm-hmm. you know. I just, I know that I would, I, that I'd still get mine. <laughs> I'd still get my wife, so yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, you still have she, your best friend, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, it would be hard for me to want to have a relationship with another person that didn't want to have any kind of relationship with him. Like, at least they would be friends yeah. and, and, like, have breakfast together yeah. in the morning. Or yeah. Like, I, I would be really hard for me to have, like, a, a relationship that was completely separate from my marriage. Yeah. They would have to at least be friends. Yeah. They, uh, they don't have to have a sexual relationship. Yeah. But they would, you know, it would, I would be much more comfortable having, like, a friend that I had sex with that comes over and we hang out. Yeah. And maybe she is gay and doesn't yeah. want to sleep with a man. And that's fine. Um, but it would be very strange for me to be like, be with somebody that he doesn't meet or doesn't hang yeah. out with. That's no, I mean, when, when I, when I brought up the question, that's basically what I'm saying. Exactly what you're explaining is that it, it would be a girl that it would be another lover of yours, but you know, of course she could still be friends with him. Y'all could, you could all hang out at the same time. My and... marriage is an intricate part of my personality. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's like I would never have a separate relationship that was just completely separate. I've heard of couples that do that, like wives that don't want to meet the others. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any judgments about it. I'm just really, really close with him. Yeah. <laughs> and so it would just be strange. We spend a lot of time together. We're really similar people. So it it's, just, it's not in the cards right now, for sure. <laughs> yeah. We're in the foreseeable future. But, I mean, older couples have been married who have been married a lot longer know a lot more than we do about marriage. Yeah. So we're just kind of letting our marriage evolve naturally. I yeah. think we both anticipate growing to be different people, but growing with each other and seeing how we get to grow. How you both grow. Together, and, and but we, into whoever we may be in 10 and 20 years. We know yeah. our needs are going to change. We just don't know how. And so we're just trying to be really like, oh, I think self-awareness, just being really self-aware. Yeah. Trying and, to remain aware. not really and, trying to force anything, just kind of And just being on the, the level flow. with each other at all, all, at all times. Yeah. I, I think that's important. I think that's super important. And maybe um, if couples experimented more, like this and um you know if it's if it was something that a guy was um open to doing and it was something that 
he was having a lot of thoughts on. Um, I think it would be important to start having those discussions with your significant other, even if it doesn't come to fruition, but to be to practice that opening up, being honest and truthful. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that might be a cure to a lot of the uh, ailments in relationships these days. We met a really great couple in Germany um, that just wanted to hang out with us and talk. We didn't have any kind of sexual relationship with them. They were really nice. Um, but they had been with each other only when they when they first started together. They'd known each other since they were young, and so they'd only slept with each other. And, like, I guess, like, four or so years into the relationship, the boyfriends that he had took up a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to, to say this to her. But he was like, you know, I... I got it. I have to know if I'm good in bed. Like, I don't know. He's yeah. like, I don't know if I'm a All good I've kisser. All I've ever known is you. He's like, I don't know if I have game. Like, I've never gone to a club and hit on a woman before. I don't yeah. know. And I think as a person who's young, I really want to know what that's like. And she said she took, took her some time to digest it. Like, that it had nothing to do with her. It had nothing to do with their sex. It had nothing to do with it wasn't enough or that he was, wasn't enjoying it anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just that he's a person he who wants to, to know himself better. And that's and part know, of self-exploration. Yeah. yeah. And she found that so hot from her husband. She did. Her, yeah, she said that as soon as they finally did it, it took a little while of talking about it and like getting up the courage for both of them because you know they're young and forever lovers. You know, yeah. they recently got married not so long ago. They're really sweet. Um, but anyway, she said that like they both just they got a surge of self confidence from it because they went out and successfully had sex with a stranger, <laughs> and yeah. so and there was just like so much validation and satisfaction that you know like not only does the person at home love me, but that I'm likable to other people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it just made them feel. And so they came home, and she said that their sex had never been hotter. <laughs> yeah, she was, so. she loved it. She was turned on by his like confidence and asking. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I mean, and it might have even made their uh, connection and their relationship much stronger in the ways that that they, they had experienced other people. And they're like, well, that just re reaffirms that I want you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the one. I you know. I had that experience, but that person isn't the person that I want. It just made me realize how much more you're the one I want. Yeah. Well, and it takes a little bit of the um, the negativity out of casual, like casual encounters. It's not a matter of like they were using a stranger in order to get some self-satisfaction that they weren't getting out of their relationship. It's that people gain things from being with each other and it doesn't have to be a permanent relationship. It doesn't have to be something that weighs on your conscience or is a number on your list or mm-hmm. another name that you have to keep track of. It's, it can be that person was really funny and they told me a joke that I'm going to tell about for forever. Or like you can gain something from people without having to demand stuff from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've met people that we'll never see again that we had amazing connections with. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that's part of the traveling thing. You would think like, oh, you must have friends all over the continent. People in our lifestyle are really comfortable with having exceptional experiences and then it just being an experience in your pocket that you dig up every now and then and enjoy. And it's not... Yeah. It's not well. I like well. I I can't believe they didn't call us. <laughs> like yeah. you know. We've had like funny dating follies though. We did. Like we've had girls that we try to bring in and like. Uh, Tinder's up, a nightmare. Oh go with my friend instead of us, and we'll be like, "What the fuck, girl?" <laughs> and like a couple of times we've had we've had a, a few back to back Tinder mishaps, and uh, we were like, "What is it? What is it? Is it is it us?" Like no, I mean like who like what single girls rolling around in her thirties being like, "Yeah, those two. <laughs> like yeah, I'm sure they. They're, an, they're as interesting as we are, so we've had interesting experiences. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine that'd be kind of uh, difficult to, like, it. say you went out to, like, a, you know, a regular club, not a swingers club, and you were trying to pick up a girl there. Um, I'd imagine that'd be difficult. Oh, read his Nintendo profiles. I'm not your unicorn. I'm not here to have sex with you and your boyfriend. Like, you'll see him in the profiles. Like, like one out of every five, they're, like, not even in... It's in their profile. Like, don't even with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, they're, it's, it's clearly... The market's clearly flooded. The market is... <laughs> really. I guess, I guess since I'm not in that world, I don't see it as much. And Maybe. Yeah. And I, I would think that... Well, my Tinder only looks for women. Okay. So that might be why I say one in five, because I, every now and then a guy will sneak through by lying about his gender, but it doesn't look at men. I've, I've never used Tinder. So, I mean, I, I know of it. I know, you know, swipe right or left or whatever, it's... but I've never... We've been lucky enough, like, we were in it, we've been, we've been together four years, 
And we always look for like some some type of social media for group for groups that are like minded people yeah. communities exactly. How do I meet these people? Keep and uh, make we finally found some, and we found the the biggest one I think that we found is Cassidy, uh, and it's for like people that are in the lifestyle only, and that one's pretty sweet. It was hard to find a reliable one. Most of them were. Well, and Cheap. it's it's uh, good because um, it's a membership. You have to pay for it yearly, but it's really low. It's not a lot. Yeah. Uh, just enough to not be annoying. <laughs> um, because, like, all the ones that are free, like, FetLife is pretty good if you're willing to just wade through a lot of nonsense. But we went to a couple of parties and a couple of meet and greets that were just, like, not on our wavelength at all. Mm-hmm. Like, at Why all. is that? What were they like? We went to a couple things. We went to a just a regular dinner for a couple of people those. that were on FetLife. And it was like the average age was like sixty or something. And they were just like eating piles of barbecue food, uh, and like there was just there was always like an overly proud guy in a kilt. Okay, there was always an overly what confident that? senior. <laughs> guy in a kilt. It's true. I don't know what that is. And it's like they're nice and they're friendly, awesome. and you can talk to them. But yeah. it's like, I mean, it's like almost the same crowd that we meet when we play board games and go to comic shops. And like, it's not anything wrong with that necessarily, but it's not like we're okay. It, there's like a bunch. There's just like a bunch of really unusual barriers, okay. and like, they all go there to to meet because they all have like a particular fetish, and like fetish lifestyle yeah. Yeah. is really different than swinger lifestyle. Yeah. And mm. I kn- I know that, but we went to a party at a hotel that made that very clear to us. Yeah, we went to a BDSM <laughs> party thinking it was like a like a like a swinger event, like a swinger event. No, it was stuff. like people, and it was, but everybody was walking around with leashes and. Oh yeah, there know. were people like taking tiny nicks of like skin cuts with the, like, like laying razors. on tarps and cutting each other and like, and but not was... in a way of like, oh yeah, that feels good, like going ow 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 ow. <laughs> we were like. There were people like shuddering and crying. You're not allowed arms. to drink because it's a consent thing. Not allowed to drink. Okay. Not allowed to drink okay. at all. I don't know about you, but I got a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's like girls that are dressed like children walking around saying like, mommy, daddy, help me. Like, and that's just like, I, I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but that's a little, it's the opposite. To me, that's kind it's just of, not our way. the opposite the of what is turning I mean, me on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like self injury and child play is just not up my alley. And mm-hmm. so we were, well, we, we, we forfeited in... our cost and went to a speaker club. Yeah. <laughs> it, it also, I mean, that kind of brings up the, uh, pedophilia you know if you're acting like a like you're trying to pretend to be a child because maybe some thing. yeah i mean somebody I talked, is i've taken fetish is children like that's yeah yeah well i mean i've taken four yeah four sexual psychology classes um and realistically a lot of a lot of fetishes have to do with just um like just repressed issues mm-hmm. that they that they deal with and it's like their way of finding comfort and instead of um going to therapy and being really rough with those issues putting them on the table feeling the feelings going yeah. through the memories and yeah. living it again they found a way to combine pleasure with pain and uh, i'm not saying it's a negative coping skill i'm not saying it's necessarily bad psychology i'm not saying that maybe they should all go to therapy um i just think it's something that a particular kind of person does it's just it's a particular type of person someone who's been traumatized not necessarily not necessarily i mean you can not necessarily there are people that develop uh sexual sexual interests based on just stuff that they've seen hmm. and they just they liked what they saw i mean for i've heard of stories of people developing foot fetishes because they were their parents were you know like a, like i heard a story about a, a boy whose mom was a prostitute and he was forced to stand under the bed because they lived in a small place and he always saw their feet and uh, so as a child, as an adult, he like, developed a very he, severe, very serious foot fetish. So he'd always see their feet mm-hmm. when they were having sex. And yeah, because so he'd see their feet because he was under so the bed. So he'd heard the sound of pleasure and then, and, and saw feet. the feet and developed a pretty serious, like, stealing women's shoes foot fetish. Um, and then there was another guy who had no trauma whatsoever. He just found the curve of the foot to be very smooth and central. Mm-hmm. So it's just... Yes and no. It's just people are extreme. Every person is different. There's really not a. It would be it would be irresponsible for me to say that fetishes are one hundred percent like you can trace them psychologically. Yeah, yeah. You really can't. Yeah. Uh, when we got on the topic of pedophilia, where do you think that? Uh, I mean, that's a really difficult uh, subject to talk about. So we're talking about adults having sex with children. Um, to me and to, I mean, to society, that is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. 
that is what we deem as wrong. And um, I don't know, man. Those are just tricky waters to navigate. Is that not a a mental health issue of being attracted to children? Like the, shouldn't the there be some thing? kind of morality? The Do you mean people thing? that actually molest children or people yeah. that have daddy-mommy uh, play? People who actually molest children. and um, I have met countless ex-offenders. I was a therapist. I've met yeah. numerous ex-offenders. Most of them are teenagers. Um, some of them had been traumatized. Some of them hadn't. Um, it's the same thing as any other uh, issue. But it is. It is not society didn't deem it wrong. It is wrong. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, we can prove statistically, uh, environmentally, uh, and just pure eyeball that it does severe, severe, severe damage to people. Yeah. Permanent and severe damage. It is not a matter of... intentionally causes damage, it's not It's never an opinion of they're a fetish that's misunderstood. It severely damages people. Yeah. Permanently. They will... It's an issue that they will deal with lifelong, and they are capable of being excellent people through constant effort. Yeah. And so it's... uh, We have a moral obligation to, to... To not do things like that that are going to damage people and um even if it is somebody who has those fantasies and and is attracted to children um i've met a sex offender that desperately did not want to be a sex offender it is it is very hard it's a very heartbreaking situation it it is really that kid broke absolutely broke my heart um because he he knew he was going to be a sex offender and really felt like he couldn't do anything about it we felt like he couldn't do anything about it. We didn't want to release him, and he didn't want to be released. Because he was genuinely terrified of himself. Hmm. Genuinely terrified. But I'm, we're talking about a 17-year-old boy whose favorite show is Dora the Explorer. Some bad stuff happened to him. Yeah. He had a rough childhood. <laughs> yeah. But as far as, like, going back to, like, the fetish of daddy, that daddy little thing, you know, um, I, yeah, I guess we can associate that with pedophilia, but who's to say that those people being able to live out those fantasies with like-minded people, what's to say that isn't helping them cope with some type of fucked up mechanism? Well, that's... So, and they're not out fucking children. Yeah. Well, and I would out. make a point. I don't know about meeting somebody that had those fetishes and decided that I would be okay with them acting me out on me, pretending to be a child. That's a, a, a projective issue that I don't know if I could be able to do. But I do think that um, in the particular lifestyle, people being sexually supportive, you will find people that have been traumatized. Yeah. A lot of people will use their sexual life to to overcome or to experience or re-experience their sexual traumas. Mm-hmm. And um, as people in the lifestyle that, uh, that are there and meet these people and see them, it's our responsibility to accept them and not judge them and uh, give them a place to, even if we don't want to participate in their in their choices, we can still hear them and understand them and tell them and let them know that they're welcome. Um, I don't know about people that I've never met anybody that fetishizes children and then chooses to act it out on adults. So I don't know. I would have. I don't a think ho- any of us would actively know because that'd be a little weird. Well, that's <laughs> that's yeah, that's a little bit hard for me. Like, but again, I I was a child therapist, so that's very hard for me to digest. I've met too many yeah. victims. That would be very very hard for me yeah. to digest. Yeah. So, but I'm sure that there is a realm for people <clears throat> like that, and I would like to think that people that do suffer from the from the determination of pedophilia could find a group of like-minded adults that could help them that would be awesome actually but i wouldn't know even remotely how to advocate for that so it's a it's an icky topic for me yeah understandable <laughs> but um i mean i think this we're, we're coming close to an hour but i mean it's definitely been a good conversation for me uh kind of just picking your guys's brain on the topic and um Helping me with my understanding of the lifestyle and whatnot, um, and kind of what I what I get out of it, and what I've been getting out of like researching um, this stuff is that um, honesty, communication, those things are key in successful relationships, whether you want to be polyamorous or not. Um, I think it's something you should talk about early, too. It should be early part of communication. Yeah. If you wait too late, then you're into, be, into deep in a relationship that doesn't agree with what you feel inside. You, you got to talk about it fairly early. Yeah. I think the best thing that you can do, even just regardless of what, what, what your take is or where you're at in your situation, is to learn how to communicate everything. Mm-hmm. And it can go, like, being brave enough to say what you want. 
and being brave enough to say the things that have happened and that are things that you wish could happen. Just being completely open and being more willing to share your thoughts and your feelings and your ideas. And it could it could help you, you know, instead of going five years with somebody and, you know, holding back on those thoughts and uh, urges that you have, you know, you know, five years down the road, then you finally work up the the courage to talk about it and your partner isn't really about that you know they're not about that life that can then cause a lot of damage to your relationship and but it might not end up being with your partner anymore yeah it could damage the relationship but uh hopefully they're understanding right? yeah hopefully well every day is an opportunity them. every day is an opportunity so at the point where you're saying well i've been thinking this for years you've missed years of opportunities mm-hmm. But it's still not too late, I guess, is what And so guess. all you can think is, instead of thinking about all the opportunities that you missed in the last year, is to think about all the opportunities that you have in front of you when you start to make those choices. Yep. I think that's a good note to end it on. <laughs> <laughs> that was real. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun conversation. It was. Yeah, dude. Uh, thanks for, you know, coming by and doing that. Um, you know, I might even get with you guys to do a round two, because, like, there's... I mean, I, I'm sure, like, I'm going to come up with, like, oh, I should have asked that. I should have, you know, whatever, we should have talked about this or that. Um, so, you know, maybe sometime later on down the road, you know, maybe I'll come to Amsterdam and we can do it there. You know? Hopefully we have some crazy stories for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Tight.